Hi, you're listening to Be Like a Starfish, Living a Resilient Life. I'm your host, Lori Peters. On this podcast, I use my background as a therapist, writer, coach, and parent to talk about building resilience as we navigate the hard and not so hard things of life. No topic is off limits, so expect talks about grief, trauma, mental health issues, and life's frustrations, along with lighter topics like books, writing, and music, etc. Let's journey together to see where this road takes us. Hi, you're back. You came back. Thanks for doing that. Hello and welcome to episode two of Be Like a Starfish, Living a Resilient Life. Today's episode will focus deeper on the topic of resilience. In the first episode, I talked about what resilience is and what it isn't. In this one, I'll talk about how to start building your resilience, and this will be a two-part series. I've got a content warning for you. This episode touches lightly on the topics of trauma and abuse. So um, if that is not your cup of tea, feel free to skip over this episode. When something happens to you, whether a setback, a challenge, accident, traumatic event, you could be feeling a lot of things a lot of messy emotions Um, in the initial hours, days, and weeks afterward. Things can seem blurry and jumbled. You might be in shock. You might be in denial. You might be numb. Just don't feel anything. And all of that is normal. And it's to be expected, actually. Um, let me take a little bit of a detour and explain what I'm talking about without getting too technical to explain how the brain and body work when they're faced with something big. Your brain's main job is to keep you alive and safe. So it's constantly scanning your environment. It's taking a look at the people you're around the places you are, the things you're involved in, constantly registering whether this is safe or whether it's not safe. Is this good? Is this not good? Um, And it does this in fractions of seconds. It's kind of like having the flash, you know, the superhero of the flash in your brain constantly. That's what the brain is doing, scanning for danger. When something happens and your brain perceives that something as a threat, it jumpstarts a series of actions within your body, um, activating all sorts of uh, hormones, um, turning on your, your nervous system that enables you to do one of four things. To fight whatever that threat is, to run away from it, 
to stand your ground and hope to God for the best or appeal to whatever it is that's causing that threat. This response, these responses are known as the fight, flight, freeze, or fawn response. If you are familiar with um, trauma, trauma work, you probably have heard, heard this before. If not, um, I invite you to research it. One really good book that explains this process in layman's terms is uh, written by Dr. Bessel van der Kolk. And um, uh, he writes uh, in his book, The Body Keeps the Score, What Happens When the Brain Senses Danger, Whether It's Real or Not. In a healthy system, after the brain has identified the threat and has neutralized it, the brain helps the body return to normal. Everything is okie-dokie with the world. Um, you find yourself completing a cycle of resilience. The body's been activated, and now it's time to come back to homeostasis. And through this process, when it works, it prepares your body to take on the next event, the next threat. What is a healthy system exactly? I guess I should define that. I view a healthy system as one that gets support during the event and especially after the event. One that helps your nervous system calm down enough so it can feel safe again. Many of us have the capacity to do this with help with resources. So when threats happen, we can handle them. We can navigate through them, we can move on, and we are not forever impacted by whatever it was that happened. However, not everybody has a healthy support system, a healthy emotional system, physical system. Um, and because of that, you create an environment in which your body's capacity for resilience is itself threatened. If you don't have a way to get support, if you don't have a way to process and explain to yourself internally what has happened to you, then with every new event that happens to you, and life is nothing but a series of events that constantly happens all about change. Without that, your ability for resilience lowers and lowers and lowers until eventually you begin to see the world as being 100% unsafe. Your brain begins to see everything as a threat, even when it's not. Your brain, thinking there's danger all around, puts your nervous system into overdrive and there won't be any relief. You'll find yourself constantly on guard, on alert. You feel that you can't relax. You feel your anxiety levels are through the roof. You feel that you can't ever let your guard down because your body has learned um, neural pathway has been carved into your brain that said, 
the one time I let my guard down, this happened to me and I got hurt. So over time, when you don't have anything that counters that and um, argues with yourself, so to speak, that not everything that happens is a bad thing, when you don't have that, you constantly feel threatened. All of that is called hypervigilance, and it's one of the hallmark symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. Having a nervous system that is always overreactive that can ever calm down puts you at risk for a ton of illnesses, including anxiety and depression. Um, our bodies can only be on, can only be activated for so long without stop before it starts to break down. If you want to imagine a rubber band, you can only stretch that rubber band so far before it snaps. Everything and everyone has a breaking point. When I use this analogy, I think about children who grew up in unsafe environments. Perhaps they were also abused. Um, unsafe environment means to me not only physically unsafe, but perhaps being mentally unsafe and psychologically unsafe, emotionally safe. Um, you know, growing up in an environment where you didn't feel like you could be your true authentic self and you didn't feel supported. So having that, your nervous system never gets to relax. You can only build resilience if you feel safe to do it and you have access to appropriate resources to do that. I'm going to say that one more time. If you feel safe in your environment, if you have access to appropriate and supportive re resources, then and only then can you build resilience. Okay, so I've talked a little bit about what happens when the brain encounters a threat, perceived or not, and, and what that sets in motion regarding our body responses. So let's get back to the original question of where do you start? How do you build resilience and how do you calm down a nervous system that may be overly reactive for you? I wish I had a single solution that would solve this problem for everybody. I would be a gazillionaire if I did. Unfortunately, that question is an open-ended one. There is no one way that will work for everyone. There are myriad ways, actually, because we are all different people. Our bodies are different. Our experiences are different. Our environments are different. We are each uniquely made. So what works for me may not work for you and vice versa. However, I will share some what I call baby step suggestions that I've seen work not only in my life, but in others. So with that in mind, take what you can use and just leave the rest. Okay, so baby step suggestion number one. 
Start where you are and breathe. As you know, I've named this podcast after starfish because I really admire their resilience. What happens to a starfish when perhaps maybe it gets stuck under a rock or a predator comes along and rips off one of its arms? What happens at that moment? The starfish pauses. It goes within itself. It assesses what has happened. And then, only then, does it start the healing process. By the same token, we should hope to do the same. It's okay to be where you are at this particular moment. It's okay to pause. You're not too late. You're not too early. You're in the right place at the right time. I know that sounds really, really cheesy. When I first heard these concepts, learned about all this stuff many, many years ago, I thought it was a bunch of bullshit, actually. However, there's a reason why these sayings are said time and time again, because there's an element of truth in them. I have found that wherever you are in that particular moment is where the universe wants you to be at that moment. If you believe in divine timing, then you believe that whatever is for you will not ever miss you. You can't ever be late. You can't ever be early. You fall under that divine timing. You have to start somewhere. And if that somewhere is under the bed covers, then it's under the bed covers. Um, A little detour here I'll share with you. In the deepest throes of my depression, I would not get out of bed for days. And I'm serious, just for days. I couldn't shower, I couldn't eat, or I ate too much. I went from one extreme to the other. Usually the other. I usually overate more than I underate. I mean, I could do some serious damage to a big bag of Reese's peanut butter cups. Um, So I remember I had one, one really, really bad episode. And this was all before I had kids. That the worst of my depression was mostly before I had kids. And then after I had children, I still struggle with depression. I still struggle with it today. Um, when they were little, I remember times where um, I just didn't want to do anything. I just couldn't get out of bed. And I knew cognitively that I had to get out of bed. I had six little kids needing me needed their mama, and I just couldn't do it. So I discovered that depression is on a spectrum. And I discovered that some of the things that I did were more on the higher functioning side than the low end. I found myself relegating my depressive moments 
to weekends, if that makes sense. Um, still depressed, but I just let myself go on the weekends when their dad was available, when I had more help so I can just hole up in my bedroom. Um, I know now that that is part of high functioning depression. It is a thing. If you want to look it up, you can feel free to do that. I'm not going to talk too much more about it. I will talk more about high depression and high functioning depression and high functioning anxiety on a future episode. But just to let you know, that's where I was. That's where I started. Okay. Baby step suggestion number two. Make a decision to try. Again, referring back to that starfish. Oh, how I love that creature. Um, it is so intelligent. It, it really makes a decision how it's going to heal, depending on how bad the injury is. Now, I'm not going to get into the biology of the starfish, but it's a fascinating creature. Um, the process may involve just replicating the arms that were torn off. It might involve restoring half of its body. It might revolve basically cloning itself into another starfish. It all depends on the nature of the injury. Um, I think that's true for humans too. We are being asked how to go on after something happens. How do we go on? Because we have choices. We can choose to go on or we can choose to give up. Now I feel I need to be clear about what I mean by give up. I'm not necessarily talking about dying by suicide. I believe there are other ways that you give up without physically dying. I think that when you live a life where you don't explore yourself, you don't explore your purpose, your potential, where you don't exercise your intrinsic agency, when you don't feel into what it's like to be human, then in a way you've given up on life. And I don't think that's what the universe wants for us. I think the universe, now when I say universe, I'm talking about higher power, higher source, creator, God, however you want to label it. I think the universe wants us to live a life filled with joy, fulfillment, freedom, purpose, intention, and if we just live it in a way where we're just like a dandelion seed, just floating around, along and not really being mindful and conscious about how we live, then I think we're not living in alignment with what the universe wants for us. So that's what I mean by giving up. You may not be ready to do what's needed for the big actions, but you could make a decision to try, just try a small action. All you're striving for is taking the smallest, the teeniest, tiniest of steps. Nothing big, fancy, grandiose. You're just 
making a small commitment to try. Baby step suggestion number three. Give yourself permission to ask. Maybe you grew up in a place where questions were taboo. Maybe you had somebody in your life where they told you, whether explicitly or implicitly, that it was their way or the highway. No questions asked or else. That or else usually meant for me violence. That was the home I grew up in. My sister and I learned that it was not a good idea to ask questions, especially of my dad and my mom, because it usually led to a big production, often yelling and screaming, um, sometimes violence. So over time, I learned that asking was a dangerous thing to do. I didn't even think that I could ask because it was just unfathomable. I mean, I wasn't going to do anything that would put me in more danger than what I already was in. I learned to be unseen. To think that maybe, just maybe, there's another answer out there is venturing into the unknown. It's, it's scary. It's, it's just, it's kind of revolutionary. You didn't even think about it. Didn't even know that you could do that. It's like discovering that the earth is round instead of flat. I can imagine what they, the people who lived back in the middle ages felt when they were given this information is like, what? Mind blown. What do you, what do you mean? The earth is not flat. Um, anyway, that's, that's the, the feeling. That's the thought that comes to my mind about this, about question asking. It feels scary and that's okay. If you're not in a safe place to ask, then by all means, don't. I don't want you to be put in danger. However, if you are in a safer spot and you might still be living by how you lived when you were unsafe, then it might be time to ask, what if? Going along to get along is great. In fact, it's a survival tactic, but in the long run, again, you know, going back to what I said about giving up, In the long run, are you really helping yourself be in alignment with what the universe wants for you? So try to see if you can ask the what if question. What if I had taken a chance now that I'm safe to do it? What could happen? What can I be? Baby step number four, and this is the last baby step I'll I'll go into for today. Gauge your level of readiness. Are you ready to do what it takes to be resilient? Are you ready to go into places that 
frankly, will hurt. That will cause more problems initially, but lead to freedom, lead to fulfillment, lead to joy, lead to alignment with purpose. Are you ready to go inward to grow outward? Those are some really tough questions. They're tough, but they deserve honest answers. And frankly, those answers will probably scare the shit out of you. And you may want to run. If the answer is no, no, I'm not ready, then honor that. Again, I don't want to push you into something you're not ready to do, but I want you to explore the main, the maybe. Open up your mind a little bit, crack open that door a little bit, and explore the maybe. The no answer may not mean forever. It could just mean no for now, and that's perfectly fine. Check in with yourself, though, every few weeks, months, whatever timing feels right for you. Because someday you might find that no will turn into a yes. What I've outlined here are just baby steps, teeny tiny first steps toward building resilience. Where do you find yourself in all this? How is this resonating with you, what I've said? Whatever you find, is okay. Wherever you find yourself in this process is okay. This is not a contest. There is no reward at the end of the rainbow. We're all on different paths here. Some people move faster and some move slower and that's okay. I can tell you that my journey, I really didn't feel like I came into my own until I was in my late 30s, 40s, and I still feel like I am in a stage of emerge, emergence, a spiritual awakening of sorts. Um, every day is a new day for me to discover myself and my world. And that's what I'm inviting you to do by taking these little baby steps to build resilience and to discover what your world is like, what it's calling you to do. All right, so in part two of this series, I'm going to continue building on this foundation that I've laid for you today. And I'm gonna talk about the next stage of building resilience. What happens when you're taking those baby steps and you feel good, you feel ready, to move on to the next level. Check in next week to find out. If you've enjoyed what you've been hearing, please, please let me know. I want to create something that resonates with you, that speaks to your heart. So send me an email. Um, you can send me an email at Lori, spelled L-O-R-I, Lori at Lori A. Peters, writer, 
W-R-I-T-E-R dot com. So it's Lori at Lori A. Peters Writer dot com. Thank you so much for listening. I know that this episode may land in some hard places for you. Just do what you can with it. Be easy and gentle with yourself. And know that wherever you are now is not where you're going to be forever. Take care and remember, be like a starfish.